You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell to you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, then gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, then cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, has made her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman has committed adultery. Well, good morning, church. Those of you that are <clears throat> highly observant will notice that ragweed is in the air. So, <clears throat> I, I brought in a spare minister, uh, so she, <clears throat> we're, we're excited to have Lauren up here. Our passage today continues where we left off last week. Jesus is the lawgiver. He's the new Moses. He's directing us back to the law, the Torah, as given to us by God. Remember that his audience for this sermon consists of Jews. They hold the Torah sacred. They were, they were looking for more of God's law to be taught to them. That's why they were there on the mount with Jesus. So Jesus wants to show them something that they have missed, the forgotten heart of the law, the reason behind the law, why the law is there, when I was a boy, I often thought that God's law was there to keep us from having fun. That's what it seemed to be. Every time we would start having fun, we were told, Jesus doesn't like what you're doing right now. And fair enough, he probably didn't. But it wasn't that he didn't want us to have fun. He knew where that would lead. That particular action would be dangerous. So Jesus here backs them up a bit from the law. And they look at it again. They go deeper. Matthew 5, 27 and forward, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, before any of you take drastic action this afternoon, this is called hyperbole, and we need to look for the spiritual message behind it. Uh, leave the sharp implements in the drawer. That said, back in the um, 2002, it just turned January 2002, we moved into the greater Detroit area, and it was snowing. Who would have thought? Detroit in January, but we moved in. My son was, I now even forget, maybe 13 or so years old. But after we moved in, it was dark. I said, Duncan, come here. We walked out into the front yard and looked at the house and said, now it's our job to break in. We wanted to find the weak places so that we could, we could harden those. We could put pro appropriate safeguards in place. If I want somebody to, 
I don't want somebody, rather, to break into my house, it'd be silly just to scotch tape the door. That's not going to do it. How about if I put a fence around my bed? No, that's too late in the breaking in process. I need to have my gates out there. And when it comes to committing adultery, we need to have our gates so far out in front that this just doesn't happen because we've stopped it before it can get started. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount series for a while now, and with the Sermon on the Mount, it's very easy to divide it up in sections and think that it's all super separated. But what's beautiful is that a lot of it can come back to those beginning beatitudes that we talked about a while ago. And today specifically, I think it really relates to the blessed or the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart moments. Um, these gates that we're trying to put up around our heart is not nat- are not naturally going to be there with our heart. This is something that we get to take action to do to build these gates, to empower that wall right there. If your gates are weak, your heart isn't going to be in it. And there's a word here we need to look at, the word adultery. In Scripture, it can, and often does, refer to uh, sexual relations with somebody that you're not married to. You're married, they're married, but you're not married to each other. But that's not its only meaning by any stretch of the imagination. The word of adultery in Scripture refers to the breaking of a covenant, a sacred promise that you've made. Jesus tells us here, we're already breaking our covenant when we consider breaking our covenant, when we plan to break our covenant, whenever we contemplate thoughts of sex outside of the marriage covenant, we're breaking a covenant, that is, adultery. Look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, when you break this covenant, you're not only breaking it with your spouse, you're breaking it with God. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is with him in spirit. Breaking a covenant is not just for married people. I think it's really easy for those of us that aren't married to be like, oh, adultery, like this part only speaks to married people. Wrong. We have covenants with the Lord that we've made. We're in this as well. If you are not married, you are in this as well. Covenants with the Lord you have made. If you are married, marriage is not the only covenant that you have that you're trying to refrain from breaking. We have other covenants that we have with the Lord. Baptism, a covenant with God, a binding act with God in a community in Christ. What does this look like, look like with our lives with Jesus? Not just our marriage covenant, though that is a great covenant to look at when we look at the scripture. But start thinking about now as we go through this scripture, what are other covenants you have, including your covenant with the Lord? Now, this is so valuable because if you fall, somebody else falls. That's a weird thing about this. Some people say, it's my life, I can do what I want to. No, because as soon as you do, it affects others. We have to be careful. So where should we put our gates? I'm thinking we need to put them out further than we are right now. It absolutely breaks my heart to see Christians post on Facebook how excited they are about the next bachelor or bachelorette. 
TV show about who they're rooting for and how they can't believe this, that, or the other. These are shows that use sex as entertainment. They're not allowed to show, but they certainly do tell and make sure you know. Why are our gates not up? Why are we allowing that into our home? Where are the gates? And, and far too many TV shows, just generally, all problems are solved by sex or violence or both. If that's on in your house, what are you teaching your children? All right, let's forget the children. What are you teaching yourself? Because you will learn lessons whether you want to or not if your gates aren't up. Constantly throughout this sermon, a phrase that Jesus uses is, you've heard it said this way, but I tell you this. In this moment, you have heard the world say a lot of things. You've heard it said that this is a super normal TV show that everyone watches and it's fine. You've heard it said that these movies are fine to go to. It's not a big deal. It's really okay. You've heard it said this Instagram account, that's really not that bad. I can follow that and be fine. Jesus comes in and says, you've heard it said this. I say this. You are not of the world with a covenant with me. You are not of this world. Awkward conversation for sure when you walk in and you're like, yeah, so I know that we all watch this TV show every week, but it's kind of hurting my covenant with the Lord for the pure of heart situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is awkward. He doesn't say, you've heard it said this, but I don't want you to be in awkward situations. You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Step into that. Put those gates up and bind those things away. A Jesus life purifying our hearts to be bound to him. Once upon a time, it's going to be really hard for this group over here to believe this. Pornography was hard to find. It really was. It might exist in a couple of magazines behind the counter of a couple of stores. And they had them covered up. You had to walk in. You had to ask for them. If you didn't, you didn't see pornography. It just wasn't there. Unless... Unless you went to one of those super shady, ugly, low-slung buildings in the bad part of town where everybody parks in the back because you don't want to be seen, and you snuck in. That was the only way to get pornography. Now, it's everywhere. It is force-fed to your phone. It's force-fed to your computers. It's force-fed through TV and the like. It is everywhere. Years ago, again, back in Michigan, I think my son was about 16 or 17, we were walking around a great mall they've got there called Great Lakes. And the reason it's a great one is because it's an outlet one, and you can just walk, and it's a mile every time you go around the circle. So we were just there talking, and I looked over, and yeah, the, these young ladies weren't dressed appropriately. I wasn't being angry at them. I didn't expect everybody to go by our rules. I thought, I'll look this direction. I can't. There are advertisements there for movies with very scantily clad people. So I'll look over here. Ah, Victoria's Secret. Um, it's not all that secret, people. It's, it's right there. Um, this is not how you keep secrets. Anyway, I, I turned to my son, and I said, I, I think I need to apologize to you. And he said, why? And I said, you don't have anywhere you can look. You have nowhere to put your eyes. And it was my generation and a generation before mine 
that allowed this to happen. We have bequeathed to you this world. We did it. We voted for people because they promised us stuff. And we let them in, and we allowed all of this to occur. We have lost our innocence. You, you see little girls dressing way too inappropriately. You see little boys the same. By the way, an example of that not occurring was this last week. Whenever the little school kids came in, all that was fun. Standing there watching all these little Matilda Jane cupcakes <laughs> coming in. Oh, that was fun. But you know what I'm talking about. We have over-sexualized our society. And I, I don't know how else to put this. You're grown-ups. Let's deal with it. Our men and women have fallen into addictions. They have fallen into poor self-image because they don't look like these people. They can't do what these people do. And people don't react to them like people do reacting to these people in pornography. The thing is, everything in there is a lie. Everything. All aspects of pornography is a lie, and the father of lies is pushing it. There was a long time that I thought that pornography was just one specific type of video. Um, but the enemy uses pornography in a lot of different ways. Uh, there's a reason why you like that one scene in that movie, and you watch that one scene on repeat. There's a reason why that person that you follow on Instagram or Facebook, you really love it when they post a picture, and you really love the way that they dress. These are our cut-it-off moments, guys. He says, gouge it out and cut it off. When you hold down your app, it shakes. You can press the X on it, and it's off of your phone. You can delete the account. You can get rid of it and cut it out. We have the opportunity to say no more of this. I don't want this. I will be honest with you, I'm not mature enough to have my phone charging next to my bed because even if I'm not looking at pornography, if I'm just looking at Instagram in the morning and at night and I'm filling my mind with the great things that all of you are doing, which I'm sure your day was interesting, if my night and my evening, and like right before I go to sleep and right when I wake up in the morning, are filled with just the neutral things of other people's lives than rather the Lord and just trying to purify my heart in that way, my day is not going to be fulfilled to the glory of the kingdom. But if I wake up every morning and go to sleep every night trying to align my heart to the Lord, how much more full will my day be? I'm not mature enough to charge my phone next to my bed. I don't know where you're at. I have to charge it across the room. It helps with waking up in the morning because you can't press snooze, which is awesome. They make alarm clocks. So you can do that too if you want. But I have to charge my phone elsewhere. Maybe your cut it off moment today is, okay, fam, we're all going to charge our phones in the living room. Maybe your cut it off moment is, I'm not mature enough for Instagram. I need to cut it. Maybe I, don't, maybe I don't need Snapchat. Maybe your cut it off moment is, this is weird, we're not gonna have cable. You cut it off and you gouge it out and get rid of it. Make no mistake, we need to cut it out because it's a lie. And that's the biggest part of this we need to stress. Satan is a father of lies and everything in pornography is a lie. Now. We don't even have to go to pornography. We can go everything that leads up to it on the television about relationships. Those are also lies. Men are like, I hate to break this to Well, I actually don't hate to break it to you. Men are not like this. Women are not like this. Bodies don't look like this naturally. Uh, this, this is not the way people respond. 
And if you decide, your body's not designed for this. And if you decide to try to act this stuff out, it will not only break your body, it will break your spirit. It will break your psyche. Your very emotional selves will be broken and shattered if you live those lies out. That's why Jesus says, set your gates. Shove them out far enough to where you don't get here. At camp, something that we talked about is how so easily we can put off releasing things to the Lord, right? Like, we can easily be like, oh, like, I'm just going to finish Game of Thrones this season, and then next season I won't watch it. It's so easy to say, tomorrow I'll do this. And you can tomorrow yourself into eternity. You can tomorrow every single desire in your life away. But you have the opportunity to choose to let go of those things today and to choose to build a gate today. I'm not going to insist that when you make that choice today, everything is sunshine and rainbows and you have those pure of heart moments and your see God moments constantly. But I will say that when we choose today to start putting up those gates, we do have more of an opportunity to not allow our yesterday to become our destiny and our future. Yes, the effects from yesterday will be there. And the choices that we have made are going to be there. But we can choose today with those gates to heal from that and move forward with more of a clear destiny and a more of a clear future. Here's a word of warning and of hope. If you want somebody to laugh at a TV character and a TV show, have that character say they're a virgin. You know what I'm talking about. People will howl and laugh, the laugh track or the audience, whatever's there. They, or if they say they've only been with their husband or wife, people will laugh. How do you know then that you got a good deal? You know, you need to try. I've had people say back when, way back in the dark ages when Cammie and I were dating, they would say things like, well, you got to try him out first. Really? Let's, let's talk about this. Memories are formed with every action. Now, memories change. Um, memories are re rebuilt in our brains all the time. That's not the point. The point is this. When you sleep around, let's just use that euphemism, you are forming a memory with every single one. Later in life, you may find your life partner. You're the one for you. And you marry. Now there's a problem. Your life partner will age, but the memories do not. And that's unfair. That's just unfair. They can't compete against the memories of when you were a teen. They can't compete against this. They, they need a clear field. They, they need to be the only one you know of, the only one you've been with, so that it's fair. Instead, think of this. The rest of your life, if you don't do it this way, your partner has to compete with TV. Compete with the movies. Compete with the memories. No wonder that our sex-saturated society is quickly becoming a sexless society. If you don't know what I mean by that, couples are having less sex because of what happened years before. It's snowballing to the point where you cannot turn on the television or radio. Radio is what people, you don't hear. We still do. Anyway, you can't turn it on without hearing commercials about helping you get sexually active again. Why? Some of this is the war on age. You're getting old. You need help to not be old. 
I get that. But are, there's, a, there's an epidemic of sexlessness that is caused by the psychological and physical pressure to perform like they do on television and the magazines and the movies. And it causes physiological inabilities. And so we have all these commercials that embarrass us because we allowed memories in and it poisoned the water. Sex is all around us and the enemy has manipulated us, manipulated the world um, with what, what this is. When Patrick and I picked this date, I did not know that adultery at first. I was like, oh yeah, September 10th, that works great. And then it was like, oh, okay, we're going to hit adultery and divorce on the Sunday that I'm preaching. Awesome. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, okay, how, how do I even come at this? Sex is going to come up in this sermon. What? Like, how, how do I go about this? And I started praying about it and thinking about it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be rocking my purity ring on the stage. Like, yeah, get a purity ring. Um, there's so much more to it than that. And being pure of heart is not just physical purity. And I had to go to some friends because I was at a loss of how do I express this? How do I talk about this um, and let people know that purity is possible, but also in, a, in, any, in any way of humility that I can please ask upon the Lord to come about, express what needs to be expressed. And um, a close friend of mine, in such a gracious way, talked about relationship. And with purity, like, we have an opportunity for self-discipline and control and for focus, and that is wonderful. But what I love that she brought into the story was relationship. And how important that is for this process. Because whether you are someone that comes this morning saying, I've messed up physically, in a marriage or not in a marriage, I've messed up physically, there's someone else maybe coming to the table that's saying, I'm walking with people who are in that boat. It's not necessarily where my struggle is right now, but thank goodness for grace, I have other things going on. Right now, that's not where my struggle is, but relationship in that. She said, it was beautiful. She said, the best way that my husband has loved me has been to graciously love me through this and stick with me. She came to the table with a different type of physical past than what he came to. And they said, you know what? We're going to love each other through this, and I'm going to be here with you, and I love you. You are forgiven. You are made pure. We have the opportunity, whichever side of, of the equation you're on, to enter into non-judgmental relationship. Because it's so easy to stand on the side where you, maybe you do have a different type of physical past, you've struggled with physical things, and you say, well, I can't talk to them about it because they're just going to judge me because they don't deal with it. That is being judgmental. You could stand on this side of it, though, and, say, and judge them for judging you or judge them for whatever their physical thing is going on. We have an opportunity when these conversations arise to look at each other in relationship and love each other through this, and acknowledge this is a hard thing. This is a hard thing, but it's possible. It is so possible, and I want to stand before you today, whether you are in a marriage or whether you are not in a marriage, you have an opportunity to try to purify your heart with the Lord as much as possible. It is possible to be in love and desire to get married and to not have sex. You can. You can. I want to cry telling you this right now because it's so possible. You get to choose that. That's a choice. 
But it's also possible if you have made those mistakes and if you do have a past that you carry shame and guilt for, it is possible to let that in today and to build those gates up now because you are forgiven and you have a great family and a community that want to walk with you through that and love you, that relationship. It is possible to let that stop now, to allow today to be a purifying moment. You can be done with that app. You can be done with that act. You can unfollow that. It is possible. Purity with whatever your covenant looks like right now is possible. And the enemy wants you to sit there saying, nah, you too far gone. It's been too many times. There's no way. In order to prove to this person that you love them, you've already done this with them, you have to do this. No, in the name of Jesus, we speak those lies away. It is possible to purify your heart with the Lord, regardless of what your past has been. No matter if you're a person who has taken a purity pledge or not. In fact, I'd never heard of purity pledges when I was growing up. That's the church reacting to what they're seeing in the world, and I, I appreciate that. But what if you never made that pledge? What if you're a person that's made many, 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 many mistakes? There's still time to set up your gates. You just do it now. It's kind of like if you've never saved for retirement, and you're sitting there at 30, 40, 60, wherever, say, you know, I never saved for retirement. Start where you are. If you want to be pure, you can be pure because God will forgive. He will wash you clean, but set up the gates that this won't be a recurring problem. Job 31 and verse 1. I love that line. Now, this is not Job speaking. Actually, it's, it could even be interpreted as a guy bragging, but I like the phrase, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. A couple things, because Mark gave us a little bit of extra time. We can punch this through, right? We'll do this. What, what a guy. Uh, anyway, um, it says to look lustfully. I'm allowed to notice when a female is pretty. I'm allowed to notice when a male is handsome. My wife is allowed to do that as well. We also, however, need to notice each other and remember the covenant. Also, we need to remember when we see somebody on television or in a movie that is pretty, it's not real. It's kind of like the guy at the Bowflex commercial that's all ripped. Doesn't have a six-pack. He has 38 of them right there. <laughs> you know, see, I got this way in 15 minutes every week. You liar. That's the only job you have. No, it's not true. Reality is growing old with somebody in a covenant relationship. So, don't look that way. C.S. Lewis once said that if a sewer pipe ends in your living room, the worst choice would be to open it. He was speaking of the new technology called television. Keep your gates in good condition. Get outside every now and then and say, if I was the devil, how would I break in? Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15. The, the woman who loves her, her man, her hero, her husband, one of the things that she sings in his praise, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And you may think, what in the world? To a Semitic mind, they know exactly what he's saying. she's saying. He keeps the little distractions from entering into our life that would eventually split us up. 
He keeps the little ones out. The, the, the press had a field day. This is not political, but he is a politician. When Mike Pence said that he had never been alone with a woman other than his wife and still refused to be alone with any woman except if it's his wife. Oh, they made fun. Twitter went crazy about it. But friends, one of these days, everybody that mocked that would rather have his life than theirs. We need to set our gates. And there are times, um, one more story, I'll turn it loose. I promise, I'll let you talk again. Um, You're young, I'll die. You'll have many chances. Um, We were driving home once, and my truck was just, it was cake dirty. My son was with me, and I brought up, man, this thing needs cleaned up. And there were a bunch of young ladies waving signs, car wash, free, it's not free. It's, if, if you don't pay, you're, you're just a bad person. But they were jumping up and down, and Duncan goes, well, they're doing a car wash. And I thought I had, I had to think about this for a while, and I said, son, I don't think that's where we want to be. And he looked over, and he goes, oh, you don't want me to be tempted by that. And I said, kind of. I don't want me to be tempted by that. And that's when he goes, ooh, and all that. I get that. I get that. It's fine. But I need to draw those lines too. That no, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. In order to stay true to a covenant, we have to have a covenant. We have to have rules for ourselves. And in covenant with the Lord or covenant with other people um, for those covenants to not be broken. I just stated earlier how a current rule for myself is that I don't charge my phone next to my bed because I'm not mature enough for that. You best believe at fall retreat, if I'm trying to charge my phone next to my bed, there's going to be people telling me that I can't do that, right? Like, there's going to be some accountability uh, with a microphone. You said you weren't doing that, Lauren, so, like, charge it elsewhere. We need to vocally state out loud what your covenants are. Maybe that's with an individual. Maybe that's your family. I'm just saying, hey, right now, I'm not in a place where I can have this on, on our TV. Stating those, letting Jesus come in and claim victory over that situation and cutting the things out that we need to cut out and having an opportunity to vocalize what those covenants are so that the people around us can also see that and also we're letting Jesus know out loud, this is what my covenant is today. There's a reason why you have this big ceremony for a wedding, right? Like open covenant, all those people were there. Make a statement. I'm going to not do this. This is going to be my covenant. And maybe there might be a time in my life where this maybe shifts and changes. I might be able to charge my phone by my bed one day. Maybe. But right now, that's not where it's at. Make make a statement out loud what your covenant is. State that and have people hold you accountable. One of the things about these little foxes as well, and about what she just said, uh, Jesus, when he talks about marriage, ends one of his talks by saying, what God has joined together let not man put asunder. Now, I put that in the weddings that I do as well. Too often, people hear that as a warning to this young couple in front of me. You watch yourself. That's not what it was designed for. When Jesus uses that warning, that's a warning given to the community. You make sure you protect this marriage. You make sure you don't try to break this marriage up. So, I've never had a friend, never had a friend, come up and say, oh, well, your ball and chain let you out of the house. If he ever did, he would not be my friend. 
because that's not a ball and chain, that's my covenant partner. The point is, the community should not be trying to drive wedges and build dissatisfaction between the two of you. They should be helping you. So Jesus warns the community, God joined this together. Don't break it up. That requires us to do something. When we're focusing on purifying our hearts, we have more see God moments. This whole section of looking at adultery in the Sermon on the Mount, like I said at the beginning, ties right back into blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a lot of times in our lives when we're thinking, God, where are you? You're not leading me at all. I have no clarity at what you're trying to tell me. Are you even there? Are we doing our part of purification to have those see God moments, that Claritin commercial where you take it and it's like it's super blurry and then it's not anymore? Are we purifying our hearts to the point where that, that film is that fog is being lifted so that we can actually discern what is going on? Where is he leading me? The pure in heart moments lead to see God moments. So what does pure in heart, what does that covenant look like for you today? Because your past does not determine how many see God moments you're going to have tomorrow. The choices that you have today do. And we get to lift that film, that fog of lens, for more see God moments. One of the things that I would just tell you is we, we're about to read a scripture. And we'll all read it together. There's a story about Admiral Horatio Nelson. I know you know the story. No, you don't. Uh, but every British kid does because that he's one of the old heroes. And there was a battle, great sea battle, where they thought there's no way they could win this, so they need to retreat. And they put up the signal to retreat. And his officers said, look, they're, they're signaling that we should retreat. And Horatio Nelson got his spyglass up, put it on his left eye, and said, I don't see any signal. Well, that's because he didn't have a left eye. I often wonder if we don't you know, see God, we don't see what we should do because we don't want to do what God tells us to do. Therefore, we, we fog it up and we don't set up the gates. As we close today, I want all of us, if you'll please stand, to read this together with Lauren and myself. This comes from a psalm which scholars tell me was written by a young man in captivity who wanted to stay true to God. I think in many ways we all share that situation. Let's read. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the paths of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Amen, church.